0: Let's dive into our time in God's Word together. Uh, if you have a Bible, I'd encourage you go ahead and open your Bible to Second Peter chapter one. Second Peter chapter one. If you don't have a Bible with you, there should be one in the back of the pew there in front of you. We are on the tail end of a series where we have been looking at the and trying to answer the question of where are we going as a church? What is it that we're trying to accomplish? What do you believe God's called us to do? We've articulated that using six different principles that uh, come out of a book called Discipled Warriors by a gentleman by the name of Chuck, Chuck Lawless. Dr. Lawless is one of my professors down at Southeastern. I highly recommend anything he's written or anytime you get to hear him talk. Um, I don't often give unqualified recommendations like that, but I have never heard anything out of his mouth that I disagree with, and that's saying something, okay? Uh, Really great guy. But our six purposes that we have articulated so far are, number one, exalt God in worship, where we reflect on him and reflect on who we are and respond to repentance and obedience. Number two, encountering God through prayer, where we're developing both a personal prayer life and a corporate prayer life. We've been talking about number three, evangelizing the world. That's where we share the good news of Jesus with other people. Uh, That's where we talk about what he's done. We support others who are doing the same. Then we also talked about edifying others through ministry and service. That's uh, using the gifts, the talents, the abilities, the experiences you've had to build up the church body through serving others and serving in unique ways. Then last two weeks, we were talking about encouraging one another through fellowship. And look, you guys all survived last Sunday. If you weren't here with us last week, um, what we did was a little bit different. We actually made everybody get into groups and talk to people they didn't know, and everybody lived through it. It's amazing. Nobody died, as far as I'm aware, okay? Um, But encouraging one another through fellowship, we said, is more than just hanging out. It is getting together. It is gathering, but it's being concerned for each other and how we can help each other to grow in godliness and get to know each other and, and support each other as we're trying to grow to live like Jesus and lead others to do the same if you'll notice, that means we're on our final purpose starting this morning, all right? So number six, we are looking at equipping the saints through discipleship. Now, discipleship, we're going to talk about this morning, has a couple of different nuances to it. In fact, uh, the super profound title of our message this morning is discipleship. I couldn't come up with anything better than that. It's just, it is what it is. Um, And by the way, in case you're already trying to play the calculus about what are we going to do next week. um, So thus far through our series, what we've been doing is we have gone through and done a a biblical aspect of kind of what's the theological basis for this purpose. Why do we think this is something God's called us to do? And then for the second week, we've done something more practical about, okay, so how do I actually go about doing this? So what are we going to do for discipleship? Actually, we're not going to do a practical thing for discipleship because, as we'll see this morning, kind of everything we do is sort of under the umbrella of discipleship. What we're going to do next week is just try to do a a recap and kind of go back over because we've covered a lot of ground over the last 12 weeks, okay? So that's where we're headed for next week. This week, though, we want to talk about discipleship. As we talked, uh, we took a church-wide assessment back in the spring, and as we went through the assessment, this was one of those areas where we were weak in the area of discipleship or disciple-making. Now, as we talk about it this morning, there's gonna be two different aspects when we talk about discipleship or disciple-making. Discipleship, uh, it's kind of the idea of discipleship in general. Let's start there, all right? So we draw this idea from Jesus' example. What were the 12 guys that he called to himself as he was doing his earthly ministry? What did he call those? Those were his 12 disciples, right? When Jesus was on earth and they were following him around, they were known as his disciples. They were later known as apostles because he had sent them out. Uh, But initially, they were known as disciples. The word disciple has the idea of being a learner, okay? How many of you know somebody who has fallen kind of under the the sway of some self-help guru or something like that, and they like they go to all their speeches, their TED talks. You know, like one of these Tony Robbins, maybe or a Jocko Willink or somebody. Like they've got all the books. They've they've listened to all the podcasts. You guys ever been around people who've done that? Maybe. Okay. Maybe not. I, I, In a sense, that's kind of discipleship. Discipleship is the idea of of patterning your life after somebody. It's more than just learning facts from somebody. It's more than just kind of downloading information. It's the idea of, of walking with that person, with that teacher, in such a way that you start to look like them and talk like them and think like them and act like them. So for us, discipleship is that process it's not that you're just trying to learn knowledge from Jesus. When we come in on Sunday mornings, I'm not simply trying to teach you information. In our Sunday school classes, in our small groups, in our other opportunities, we're not just trying to, to help you get smarter, although you know, maybe you're learning some facts and so learning how to think a little bit differently and think better. Our goal is that you're becoming a disciple of Christ, that you're following him. So when you think about discipleship as an individual follower of Christ, then think about it this way. Discipleship is defined as the process of becoming a committed follower of Jesus Christ with all the spiritual discipline and benefits which this brings. Now, that's a very dry definition, but I actually kind of like it. It hits several key things. One, we'll see that discipleship is a process. There's no like, I I always use the example from the Matrix. I know it's dated at this point, but if you remember when they go into the Matrix, you know, Neo sits down in the chair, they plug that thing in the base of his skull, and all of a sudden, I know Kung Fu, right? You know, that's unfortunately not how it goes in our walk with Christ. In our walk with Christ, it's a process, it's a growth process where we're learning more, we're knowing more, we're obeying more, we're, we're growing in this. So becoming a committed follower of Jesus Christ as we've talked about it around here, like live like Jesus and leading others to do the same with all the spiritual discipline and benefits that this brings. Now, that's interesting because usually we, we talk about the spiritual discipline side of, I want you to get better, when we say spiritual discipline, I want you to get better at reading your Bible. I want you to get better at praying more. I want you to get better at sharing your faith about all those kind of things. We think about those as spiritual disciplines and that is part of it. But also growing as a disciple of Christ has a lot of benefits. There's a greater peace. Now, by the way, um, I was talking with Don Rochelle about this this morning. Uh, Growing as a disciple of Christ doesn't mean that your life is going to get easy and smooth and wonderful and everything's going to be hunky-dory and and you're never going to have a problem. But what it does mean is in the midst of the chaos that sometimes life is, you have a peace and a hope and an anchor. You you know the end result of all of this. That No matter what takes place, you know Jesus is in charge. He's going to come back and you're going to be with him right? So you've got this this peace, and you grow in that understanding. It deepens as you grow as a disciple of Christ. So you enjoy those benefits. Now, as you do, um, you're going to be growing, you know, you're reflecting him more and more. Now, on the other hand, often when we talk about discipleship in churches, that's kind of discipleship for you as an individual. When I have to think about my own walk with Christ, that's me growing as a disciple of Christ, the process of me growing to be a committed follower of Jesus. However, a lot of times when we use the term discipleship in church, We're talking about the idea of how do we as a church, kind of the institution, help us all together to grow as committed followers of Christ. That's why I like the way Dr. Lawless describes it. It's not just discipleship, sometimes we use the term disciple making, okay? So, how do we help make disciples as a church? So, Dr. Lawless describes it this way disciple making is the overall process of guiding believers to be followers of Jesus. Included in that process is everything from building a theological foundation to carrying the gospel to the ends of the earth. So discipleship is both what I'm doing as an individual follower of Christ, where I'm growing to be more committed, to look more like Jesus, to live more like Jesus, to love more like Jesus, as I'm growing that individually. But discipleship is also that disciple-making process, where everything we do as a church is to help you with that. Part of our role is to help equip you to grow in your walk with Christ. That's why we don't just have these activities, like I said, to entertain you or educate you. Our goal in everything we do is that you'll help you to live like Jesus and lead others to do the same. So for instance, on Sunday mornings, we do that through our Sunday school classes where you can fellowship with others as you come to understand God's word together. We disciple each other as we come to reflect on Christ in worship. We sing songs that exalt him and draw our attention to him together. We continue that discipleship process through that children's church leaders, through what we're doing here with the sanctuary, with the sermon. We do it through our small groups that are happening. We do it through our ministry opportunities like we have with the Christmas Festival. All of this is a part of discipleship. By the way, that's why I moved discipleship to the last, because really everything we've talked about so far is discipleship. It's just that process of growing to be closer to Jesus to reflect him more fully, okay? Now, so far, this has been really academic and dry. I get it, it's, it's okay. You guys, everybody I think is still on the turkey hangover. It's raining outside, you know, it is what it is. Let's think a little bit more then about what the Bible says about how you and I are to grow individually as disciples. We're not gonna talk a whole lot this morning about the disciple-making side from the church side. What I want you to do is, before we even think about any of that, I want you to get a better picture of what discipleship looks like in your own life and heart. That's why we're here in 2 Peter chapter 1. So we're going to read verses 1 through, or excuse me, 3 through 9 here in just a minute. And as we do, we're going to draw out three truths for you to understand about your growth as a disciple, okay? These things, by the way, are only true of those who have been saved. So if you're here this morning and you're not yet in a relationship with Jesus, these things are not true of you yet. They can be because you can turn from your sin and turn to place your trust in Jesus today before you leave. But they're not true of you yet, but we're glad that you're here because I want you to hear about what growth and walking with Christ looks like, okay? So here we go. Second Peter chapter 1, starting in verse 3. His divine power, this is talking about God, God's divine power has given us everything required for life and godliness. Through the knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness, By these, he's given us very great and precious promises, so that through them you may share in the divine nature, escaping the corruption that's in the world because of evil desire. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with goodness, goodness with knowledge, knowledge with self-control, self-control with endurance, endurance with godliness, godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being useless or unfruitful in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. The person who lacks these things is blind and short-sighted and has forgotten the cleansing from his past sins. All right, now we're gonna stop right there. There is a ton in this passage. So I'm gonna go ahead and warn you that we're not gonna do it justice. We're not gonna be able to cover everything in here this morning. But I do want to give you three main truths for you to think about as you're thinking about your own personal discipleship and walk with Christ. Number one, as you think about growing as a disciple of Christ, and you're like, Sean, I don't even know if I'm able to grow to, to honor Jesus more. I don't even know what that looks like. First thing that we see is that number one, you have what you need. You have what you need, okay? Where do I get that? How can I make that statement? Go back to verse three. His divine power has given us everything required for life and godliness. Stop and think about that for a minute. Through God's divine power, he has given me everything I need for vibrant life and walking in godliness. You have that right now. It's not because you trained hard, you developed some kind of super spiritual abilities, or because you've been in church for your whole life. No, it's God's power has given you everything you need for life and godliness. So if you're here this morning and you have a relationship with Christ, then you have in you everything you need to become a fully mature disciple of Christ, right? It's already there. And it's not based on the fact that you did something good to earn it or deserve it, right? What does he say? He said, You have this. Because it's through the knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. When God saved you, when he helped you to understand that you needed Jesus and you couldn't do life on your own and that you had to put all of your trust in him, by understanding what Jesus has done for you, by giving you that understanding, God has drawn you into a relationship with himself and now you have everything you need for life and godliness. Discipleship doesn't start with you. It starts with Jesus. See, that's the hard part. Sometimes, you know, how many of you guys have have said, I'm gonna read through the Bible in a year and you made it like three weeks before you just fell off the wagon and said, forget it, right? And some of you, you know, we've talked about like different prayer tools to use when we talked about prayer. How many of you did great for about three days? Let's be honest, right? Yeah? See, a lot of times that's because we try to think that I've got to do this on my own. I've got to get better. I've got to. And we'll see, there is a part where effort's involved but we have to understand that what comes before our effort is that God's already put his divine power in us. It's not in our own strength. It's not about us doing. It all starts with the fact that there's a God who loves you and cares for you and rules and reigns over the universe. It's that understanding and accepting that the same God sent his own son, Jesus, to live, die, and be raised from the dead to save us and bring the beginnings of his kingdom to bear on earth. Right? So, discipleship is me recognizing that it's not about working for salvation. It's about working out the salvation he's already given to us. Okay? Let me be real clear because we're going to talk in just a minute about some things that you should be developing in your life as you're growing in Christ's likeness. You don't do that to earn what you don't have, right? Okay? If there's nothing else, if you guys ever leave this church and you've missed this part of the message, this is the one thing I want everybody to know out of what I preach all the time. Salvation does not start with you. It starts with Jesus. He died on the cross and paid your debt and rose from the dead to give you life. And if he's drawn you into a relationship with himself, you've surrendered and turned to him, you've trusted him as your Lord, then that means that Jesus saved you. Not because you were good, not because you were pretty, not because of anything else. He saved you because he loves you. And so that means that what I'm doing in discipleship is I'm not trying to, to somehow achieve some new level of salvation. No, I'm simply working out what God's already put in me. Sometimes I use the example of going to the gym. It's almost January 1st. So some folks are gonna start their fitness routine back up on January 1st, right? So if you've ever started a workout routine from not doing anything, the first few weeks, first off, you're gonna be sore as all get out. But what you're gonna notice right after that is you get what feels like really strong really fast, right? Like all of a sudden, you know, you're adding weight every time you pick up the bar. Because there's, what it is, is there's strength in you that you don't know how to use. So the first few weeks of any new exercise program is learning how to do the exercises. And all you're doing is figuring out how to recruit those muscles to do the right thing at the right time. Now, pretty quickly, that wears off and you get those beginner gains stop. And all of a sudden, you can't lift anything for, like you plateau for a while, and it gets really discouraged. That's hopefully not how Christian life's gonna be for you. But what I'm saying is, just like when you start at the gym, you're learning to, to use what you already have in a similar kind of way You're living out, your discipleship process is a matter of living out what Christ has already put in you. You're not trying to earn it. You're not trying to earn favor with God. You've already got that because of Jesus. It's the process of living out what he's done. So you already have what you need. Now, second of all, you not only have everything you need thinking about like kind of in a a weird way, but you also have the relationship you need. You have the relationship you need. Now, this sounds kind of weird, but but picture this in my head. You you guys know, for those of you around, I'm weird. When I was thinking about this, this is kind of what I thought. When you say you've got everything you need pertaining to life and godliness, think about any spy comedy movie you've ever seen so like Men in Black or uh, Despicable Me or any of these things, you know, there's always that scene where the, the new spy that's kind of a bumbling idiot walks into the armory, right? And the panels flip back and all of a sudden there's these walls, all these crazy weird looking weapons. And you know, usually what happens is the guy goes, what's this do? And he shoots a hole through the roof or he shrinks somebody's head. or You know what I mean? Some of you guys know. If not, I got some great movies you need to watch sometime. I'm afraid that sometimes we say, well, God's given me everything that I need pertaining to life and godliness, right? Everything that I need. It's not that God just released you in the armory of heaven and said, well, there's prayer, there's Bible study, figure it out, right? Usually what happens in those movies is there's some kind of seasoned operative who comes in and and he says, no, this is the one you need and this is how you use it. See, here's the thing. When we think about all the things that God's given us with life and godliness, the, the primary thing is he didn't just turn us loose with that. No, instead, God actually did the unfathomable. This is one of these things that makes Christianity distinct from every other world religion. Keep going again and read verse two with me, or excuse me, verse four. By these, by his own glory, by his own goodness, he's given us very great and precious promises so that through them, you may share in the divine nature. Now pause for just a second. Some of you have been in church so long that that doesn't strike you as weird. If you're newer to Christianity, that sounds nuts. It either sounds nuts or it sounds like that must not be a Christian thing because I thought that was like a Hindu thing, right? You see, other religions teach that if you will will try hard enough, you can become a part of God. You become God himself. That's not what he's saying here. Here's what he's saying. When you were saved, we, we know that the Bible teaches that God existed eternally as the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. There are three beings in one person in this mystery that we call the Trinity. But Here's what the Bible teaches. When God draws you into himself, he allows you to partake of that divine nature. You actually get drawn into the relationship that exists within God himself. That does not make you God, right? You're not God. You're not divine. And some of you may run your house that way, but you're not. However, what you do have is through Christ, you have the privilege of being drawn into the relationship with him. Now That sounds like a, an amazing statement. So let's, let's see where the Bible teaches us that. John 17 is a great passage for that. John chapter 17, verse 21, Jesus is praying for his disciples. And he says, may they all be one as you father are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you sent me. Do you get that? Jesus is saying, as I and the Father are one, may they also be in us. There, that's Jesus praying that you and I would be invited into the relationship that exists between the Father and the Son and the Spirit from all eternity. Yeah, yeah. That ought to blow our minds. You and I don't deserve that. I know I sure don't. But God in his grace and his mercy loves us so much that he draws us into a relationship within himself. He goes on in verse 26 to say this, I made your name, talking about I, Jesus, and your, the father, your name known to them and will continue to make it known so that the love you have loved me with may be in them and I may be in them. You see, when when we're talking about discipleship, we're going to go through a list here in just a few minutes of attributes that we're supposed to be growing in. But it's very easy for us to to gamify that. How many of you guys know what that word means? All right? Uh, If you've got an app like Duolingo or even like the Chick fil A app. Gamification is where you take some kind of something that you're trying to do and you make a game out of it. So there's levels and progress and all this kind of stuff. Sheets has on their app, you spend so many points, you become a Sheets friend. You spend so many more points, you become a Sheets freak. If you're doing Duolingo or you're trying to learn languages, that little owl threatens to kill himself. It's really dark. Like actually, at one point, they've changed it now, but he actually did at one point threaten to kill himself if you didn't do enough. It was really weird. But you unlock new levels and, you know, you learn this and you master this and you get new coins. It's easy for us to do that with our walk with Christ. We're going to see this list of attributes and say, you know, I I want to grow in this and this and this and this and this. We're not growing in these things simply because they're things that we do. We're growing in these because we want a more vibrant relationship with Christ. Think about a marriage. Okay, think about your relationship to your kids. Think, Think about any kind of relationship you're in. There are skills to relationships right? as Believe it or not, for those of you who are not yet married or recently married, and you're all Twitter-pated, and you think, I'm just gonna, we're going to get married, and it's going to be sunshine and roses and butterflies every day, it's not that way. Anybody who's been married for more than about three seconds realizes that. One of the things you have to do is you have to learn how to, to grow in your communication ability, how to say what you mean and mean what you say. You've got to learn and develop some skills to listen. You've got to develop some skills as far as how to be selfless, Now, all of those things, you're not developing the ability to communicate to your spouse because you want to become an expert communicator. You want to develop that because you want a vibrant, healthy, growing marriage. In parenting, you you change the way you parent as your kids grow because you want to help them and have this vibrant relationship with them. So as we go through this list of things here in just a minute, uh, of ways to grow in your discipleship, keep in mind, it's not that we're just trying to check off boxes that we've gotten better at this, 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 this. No, what we're doing is we're trying to to do the things that give us this vibrant, overwhelming relationship with Christ because you already have that relationship there. Again, not because you've earned it, but because God in his grace and his mercy has shown you his love, drawn you into himself. By the way, when you're feeling lonely, this is one of the main antidotes because no matter if everybody in the world forgets about you, Everybody in the world may have turned their back on you. First off, that's probably not true, but it may feel like it. But in that moment, you have union with God through Jesus Christ. You know, I've heard a pastor talk about it. He he does this with his children. He says, you know, why does daddy love you? Is it because you're smart or because you're pretty or because you're fast or because you're, no, I love you because I love you. You're my child and I love you. In the same kind of way, God loves you. Not because you're good, not because you did your quiet time, not because you prayed, not because you read through the Bible this year, not because you told that guy about Jesus. He loves you because he loves you. Now, he wants you to do those things. Those lead to flourishing and and honor him, as we'll see in just a minute. But, But at its core, keep in mind that discipleship is developing a relationship, not a set of skills, okay? So you have what you need. You have the relationship that you need. And here's the third thing that we see. You have room to grow. You have room to grow. I don't know how long you've been walking with Jesus. Uh, I just passed, believe it or not, the 30-year mark of when I gave my heart to Christ. It was sometime in October of 1992. Pretty crazy to think about. I could still take you to the place. If you go to Great Road Coffee and you go out in the back, and go up behind the old sanctuary, there's some stairs that go upstairs and there's a landing. And I can take you and I could stand on that landing. That's on the way down those stairs is where I first surrendered my heart to Christ. I've been to Bible college, not Bible college, actually I went to an accredited university. I have a bachelor's in science and biblical studies. I have a master's of divinity and I'm working on a doctor of ministry. And boy, I still have so far to go. As we look through this list, what I want to challenge you is, where's God calling you to grow? You see, as you're growing as a person who's a disciple, we see this list there in verses 5 through 7. Let's read through it again, and we'll go back and hit a few things. For this very reason, make every effort. Now, let's pause right there. Hold on. Didn't I just say that this wasn't about my effort? Didn't I just say God's the one that gives me His divine power, give me everything for life and godliness. Then why is Peter saying, make every effort? Yes, it's both. It's a both and. Yes, I have in Christ everything that I need. But there's a part in which I have to employ what he's given me. I have to make every effort to do these things. Not in my own strength. But say, God, I know that you want me to know you better. So I need you to give me strength to be able to read your word. God, I know that you work through prayer and I want to be able to do that. So would you help me to pray better than I have? Would you help me to be more faithful in this area? Would you help me to grow in these things? And then there's a part where you have to do it. Now, If you're doing it, you're not doing it in your strength, you're doing it in his. Like, are, are, you know, is it one of these things where you're gonna go, God, I need your strength to do this. And you're gonna have like that Popeye moment, you know, he, he takes the spinach all of a sudden, you know, his arm gets all big. That's not how it works. It's very rare that you are aware of the fact that God's empowering you to do something. Most of the time, the way you know that God empowered you to do it is because you did it. You couldn't do it on your own. So don't wait for like all of a sudden this surge of spiritual energy to do the thing. Do the thing and realize that God gave you the strength to do it. So as we have room to grow, here's some of the lists of things that we need to do, okay? He says, make every effort to supplement your faith with goodness, goodness with knowledge, knowledge with self-control, self-control with endurance, endurance with godliness, godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. Now, there's a lot of things on that list, so let's kind to of go through it fairly quickly. First, the idea of faith. Faith is the basis of your relationship with Christ. The way that you start a relationship with Christ is by responding in faith to what God has done, okay? If you don't have faith, you don't have a relationship with God. You cannot reason this out fully. There must come a point where you say, God, I am placing my faith and my trust in you, okay? Without that, the the Bible says that without faith, it's impossible to please God. So period, there has to be a response of faith. So once you've kind of made that response of faith, then you see the next thing is goodness. As you grow to trust God more, your life should start looking more like the way that Jesus lived his life. So you're gonna start doing more good and stop doing the wrong things you were doing. Because the reality is all of us are doing the wrong thing sometimes and not doing the right thing other times, sometimes at the same time, right? So as we go through this, then we're going to be growing in our goodness. Now, next, we also see that we need to grow in our knowledge. Now, growing as a disciple means that we are going to grow to know God better. We're going to go to know ourselves. We're going to grow to know others better, how God works in the world. You're, you're going to kind of understand. You know, I've, I've likened it before, again, to marriage. I've been married for 16 years, and I can look across a room, and I can usually tell what my wife is thinking at some level because I know her, right? I, I know the things that irritate her. I know the things that make her laugh. I know the things that are helpful. I know the things that are not because I know her. So as we're talking about growing in our knowledge, it's not just that you can sit here and recite every page of Grudem's systematic theology or you can articulate doctrines of the Trinity. If you're doing those things, the goal is that you can do those things to know God better. Discipleship is never just about knowledge. However, you will grow in your knowledge. And that knowledge is not just head knowledge, it's experiential as well. Then we see that as I grow to have faith that grows into goodness, into knowledge, then I grow in my self-control. As I learn more about how God calls me to live, I learn better to use his strength to stop doing what I shouldn't do and start doing what I should. The idea with self-control is kind of falling out of vogue in our society. Uh, Disney's wrong. Don't follow your heart. That's terrible advice. And anybody who's lived more than about 40 years can tell you, I followed my heart and it went really poorly if they did. Okay. The reality is your heart is sick and wicked, and nobody fully understands their heart except God. Jeremiah tells us that, okay? So part of what you need to do is learn to control yourself. You have to learn in the strength that God supplies to tell yourself, no, not everything you want to do is right. And you also have to tell yourself, yes, that you need to do things you don't want to do, okay? Okay. So that's part of growing, is growing in self-control. Growing then in endurance. Now, self-control for a little bit is good, but endurance is self-control over the long haul, right? You know, The walk with Christ is a marathon, not a sprint. Actually, it's an ultra marathon. Actually, it's beyond an ultra, right? I have a friend that just ran a hundred miler back a few months ago, right? You don't run that the same way that you run a hundred meters. We need to look at our Christian life under the understanding that I need endurance. I need to slowly plot along with Christ every day. By the way, there's a good thing about this is that means you don't have to get it all at once. God's in the process of growing you out throughout the rest of your life, okay? So as you're growing, you're growing in endurance where you're learning to draw on God's power over the long haul. Then you see that that results in godliness. That's continued growth and living a life that honors God, living a life that looks like Jesus now, as you're growing in that individual, you'll start noticing as well that you'll start developing a deeper brotherly affection. That's the, the term that he uses here. As we talked about with fellowship, as I grow as a disciple, I should be growing in a love for other disciples. So you and I should share a brotherly love for each other since we're brothers and sisters in Christ. And in fact, at the end, all of that culminates in the fact that we are growing to be able to love. He culminates his list with love, which is the umbrella virtue that everything else falls under. Growing as a disciple is growing to love God and others more more and more, and more. Now, as you look through that list, by the way, keep in mind that this is not a totally sequential list. They do actually build on each other a little bit. Faith has to precede things, then goodness starts coming in, and then you've got self-control, endurance, you know. All of this stuff does build on each other, but it builds on each other in a cyclical way. Um, The education circles, they call this concentric circles of learning, where right now you'll think you, you've got a pretty good understanding. And then you're going to start growing a little bit more in self-control. And then you start realizing that, man, I need to trust God more for this. So actually your faith is growing while you're trusting God more. And, and so there's this back and forth as you grow through this process. This is not like, a, well, I have to master faith, and then I have to master goodness, and then I have to master knowledge. No, this is just part of that process of growing in a relationship with Christ. So as you look through that list real quickly, then I don't answer out loud, of course, but are any of those standing out as ones that you need to work on? And is there anything in particular that's jumping out to you that you're, you're not living in? What would you need to do differently to live that out? Now, quickly, let's look at verses 8 and 9 real fast. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they'll keep you from being useless or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Do you want your life to matter? I mean, I mean do you want at the end of your life to be able to look back and say, I did something with my life? I hope you do. I hope that you're not content just to kind of drudge through every day. The things that matter are the things we do for Christ. That's the stuff that matters. I don't care if you've built a multi-billion dollar international company. That's not gonna matter. I I don't care if you've you've cured cancer. Really, ultimately, that's not gonna matter because people are just gonna die of something else. See, by the way, those are good things. Nothing wrong with it. But that can't be what you stake your life on. I think the poster child for this right now is Tom Brady. Okay? Tom Brady stayed too long in the NFL because he just can't quit. It's who he is. It's his identity. What did it cost him? His marriage. And now everybody's going to remember him as the one who stayed too long right? He could have gone out on top of the game, but now everybody sees the collateral damage. See, building your life on Christ is what will matter. Your growth as a disciple is what will matter. No one in the rest of the world may remember you when you're gone. You may have left not a single mark on this world. You may have been a faithful plumber, faithful whatever, faithful teacher, faithful nurse, faithful whatever, faithful mom, faithful dad, faithful husband, whatever. When it comes to the end, if these qualities are yours and increasing, you'll be bearing fruit for Christ. And that's what matters. Interestingly, he goes on to say, verse nine, the knowledge, excuse me, the person who lacks these things is blind and short-sighted and has forgotten the cleansing from his past sin. Here's what I think is going on there. It's kind of an interesting passage. The fact that he says that he's forgotten his cleansing from his past sins tells me that this person's saved. They have a relationship with God. Their sins have been forgiven, but they're stuck. They're not growing as a disciple. They're not honoring him well. They're not bearing fruit for him well. They've forgotten the gift that God gave them. I don't want that to be any of us. So here's what I want you to do. Just I know we're, we're going a little long today, but can you just bow your head and close your eyes with me for just a minute? Are you stuck in your relationship with Christ? You know, are you growing in these things? Do you possess these qualities? Are they increasing? So you're bearing fruit for him. Or is this just, Maybe you've forgotten about what God's done. My question for you then is, what do you need to do? Was there one of these where you said, you know, Sean, I've just, I've lost sight of the faith and trust that I'm supposed to have in God. I've not been paying attention to how I live to make sure that I'm doing the right things and that I'm living a life of of goodness and godliness. You know, Sean, I haven't really been thinking about how to get to know God better or been living with self-control. I've just been doing what I want. What is it that jumped out at you? Is there something you need to do different this week so that you can grow as a disciple of Christ? Now, our church leaders have been getting together to talk about some of the disciple-making stuff, about how we as a church can become more intentional. We want to help you with that. But right now, what do you need to do today? What do you need to change? Maybe you need to start this relationship with Christ. Maybe you've never even begun with him. So today you can do that. Perhaps so you have and and you know that you're right with God. How do you need to grow as a disciple? I'm just gonna let you continue with your head bowed, your eyes closed. Do business with God and then in a minute I'll pray for you. So if you need to talk to me, I'll be down front. But if not, you just do business with God where you are. Father, we thank you that you loved us so much that you would give us everything we need to honor you. That you've drawn us into this relationship with you. And I thank you that we still have room to grow. Would you help us to grow as disciples today? Whatever that looks like for us individually, whatever that looks like for us as a church, would you help us to see how to live more like Jesus and lead others to do the same? not because we just want to get better at some kind of skills or impress people or whatever, but because we want you to be honored. We want you to be exalted. So God, do that in our hearts and our lives. It's in Jesus' name we pray.